Good morning. <laughs> How are you? Are you awake? Are you going to help me preach this morning? I need a responsive church this morning. I'm just going to put it right out there at the front. We had an amazing weekend at Color in New York City in Brooklyn. Shout out to all the ladies that came. Shout out to Fairfax Campus. Good morning, Fairfax Campus, and welcome to the live link. I'm excited. This is my first time preaching to you from the live link. So Tinley Town, let's give it up for Fairfax Campus this morning joining us. I'm going to take a moment right now just to say goodbye to all of our citizen kids. If they haven't been dismissed in Fairfax, also say goodbye to them. We're so excited about what God has for our children, and we're really excited about what God has for us. Do you feel like he has something new for you this morning, something specific, something fresh, something intentional? You know, we serve such a good God, and he never serves us leftovers. Did you know that? He never serves us leftovers. I kind of like leftovers sometimes because it's easier. But you know what? God never takes a shortcut. He never, you know, takes the quick way. He's always good and faithful and brings us exactly what we need. And so this morning I'm excited because um, I get to be here with you this morning to share. And so I'm just excited. I, I think it's so cool. We got in, our train got in about 240 and we made it home to my house in record time by 3. And I, was, I looked at my clock, and at 3.22, I closed my eyes. And at 7, um, my alarm went off. And you know what? All those years of parenting and being sleep-deprived is like boot camp. Only, only for me, it, it's been 18 years. It hasn't been like a summer. So... Those Navy SEALs got nothing on me. <laughs> we're going to get up and keep going. But that's why the glasses, really, if we're honest. It just like, you know, even the body has limitations, and the eyes said no. They said no to contacts. I tried so hard. It's like, I want to, no. No to the contacts. Yes to the glasses. Um, but aren't you glad? His strength is made perfect in our weakness. <laughs> I'm so glad. So today I want to talk to you about a topic that I love. It's um, about, about victorious living, about overcoming the obstacles in our life, about trusting God. I know we've been kind of on this theme a little bit lately of just big, great faith, enduring faith, big faith. And I'm excited today as we dive into the, the Word of God together um, because sometimes I think that we forget that God's intention for us is to live victorious, is to live on top of the problems, the issues, the setbacks, the things that hold us back. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning, that God's intention for you? But, you know, we hear these things in church, don't we? And then we come away and we don't always feel like we're on top of that anxiety. We wake up Monday morning, we don't always feel like we're on top of that depression that is knocking at our door, trying to enter in. Sometimes we don't always feel like we're that person. And, you know, look at your neighbor today and just say, I don't know what your thing is, but look at your neighbor and say, everybody has their thing. Everybody has their thing. I know I am going to be that person that's going to make you talk to each other. I hated that growing up when the preacher made you repeat things. I wrote kind of old school. We're going old school this morning a little bit. Because really it's not about you talking to each other. It's about me staying awake too, okay? So, so 
Everybody has their thing, right? Let's open our Bibles this morning to Romans 8. We're going to start in verse 31, and then we're going to skip to verse 37 and 38. Everybody has that thing in their life, that sin, that weight that besets them. Everybody has that struggle, right? And maybe you're in a season of, of just everything's going great. Just give it a second because we live in a life, in a world where things don't always go perfectly, where faith in Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that our problems disappear. Amen? But we are called to rise above. And I want to read some scripture to you this morning from the book of Romans, chapter 8, from the Passion Translation. You can open it in your app, okay? Or you can see it on the screen because a lot of people don't carry the, you know, paper Passion Translation with them. All right, let's read together Romans 8, 31. It says, so what does all this mean? Isn't that why we come to church, find the true meaning of life? What does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me who then could ever stand against us. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold, us, won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Aren't you glad? Say, everyone has their thing. Yeah, even in the midst of all these things, even in the middle of all these things, here we are, a couple hundred people, everybody has their thing. Even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And, has dem and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. His love demonstrated on the cross for us is our glorious victory over everything. We need to make this connection this morning. Because our culture, our world, teaches us how to fight for ourselves. But the Bible says that his demonstrated love is our victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. So now the revelation of this link between the goodness and the love of God and my things comes this power, even in the midst of the struggle, to live with confidence. A couple things we have to understand about living a victorious life is that our victory is not in ourselves, is basically what these verses are saying, to boil it down. You're not winning at life because you're amazing when you're a follower of Jesus. Sometimes it doesn't even look like you're winning at life, but you're winning at life because you know who you belong to. You're winning at life because Jesus already won the victory, and our job as believers is to have faith and put our faith in him and step into that victory and walk it out day by day. So we see with eyes of faith, and slowly it becomes our reality, amen? As we live a life that's fully surrendered to his will, his way. The other thing that's important to know about living a victorious life is that our fight is not a natural fight. It can feel like a natural fight sometimes, can it? It can feel like we're wrestling against our own struggle, our own internal fears. Maybe it's a person at work 
Don't look around. Maybe it's your husband or wife. Maybe it's your boss. It isn't. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, the Bible says, but against those dark powers that are coming to try and steal your faith, to try and steal your confession of faith, your your positive self-talk that we learn about from the Bible, trying to steal your confidence, trying to steal your perspective. And so today I just want to talk a little bit on on the topic of victorious living, but I named this talk we get dubs. Dubs are wins for all of you who don't understand that language. My nine-year-old's, what's the, oh gosh, word access on no sleep. The game that never ends and invades our lives. Yes, Fortnite. My nine-year-old's name. Now don't go looking for him and trying to join him because this is probably a security breach, but is... E gets dubs, okay, Easton? So I'm like, what am I going to name this message about winning? We get dubs, okay? Here we go. Because I'm the least creative person when it comes to naming things. I could barely name my four children. Um, (laughs) God's intention for us is to win, is to win in life. The problem is we come into church and we hear that and we're like, but wait a second, it's not what it looks like to me. So we got to talk, we got to make this... um, mental connection between faith and stepping out in faith and trusting God and living victorious even in the midst, like our text says. Yeah, even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them because we know our God and we know that he has already won the victory. Isn't that amazing? The victory over our troubles, over pressures, over problems, over persecutions, come on, over deprivations, over dangers, even death is what Paul lists in this text. Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that's in your past, maybe you carry shame, God has given you victory over all of it, and we can walk out of it with him. So I thought, who better to to take a look at this victorious life than the life of King David? in the Bible. Who better? He was a warrior king. He fought battles and he won them. He had great favor on his life. He served the purpose of God in his generation. He was, he was referred to as a man after God's own heart. Don't you love that? The thing is, he was just a real guy. He was a real person who was the youngest baby boy in his family. The least of the least, he started out as a shepherd. So what was it about David that set him apart. What can we take out of the life of David and see how he stepped out of where he was to become who God had called him to be? Because isn't that what we all want to do is continue that next step on our journey today. Each one of us in this room at a different place in our lives on a journey, believing God, trusting God, believing that he's going to reveal himself to us so that we can respond, amen, and say yes to him. You know, that's all that you're responsible for is what he's illuminating and revealing to your mind, to your life, to your heart. And I'm here to tell you this morning, he has so much more. He has so much more. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, after what God, only God can give. They will be satisfied. 
So I want to read to you a portion of scripture because um, I want to pick it up right here in David's life where it's a very familiar portion of scripture. And I'm not really brave enough to talk to you about the David and Goliath story because I feel like if you've been in church at all, you've heard David and Goliath, right? I'm hoping that you have. And some of you probably, maybe you haven't, and that's okay. But we all kind of know what Even if I just say David and Goliath, even if you haven't heard the whole story, you know what happens, okay? So David and Goliath is a well-known story. It takes, this story takes place in a time where David, as a young boy, was anointed the next king of Israel by the prophet Samuel. But time has gone by, and, and he's not the king yet. He's just a shepherd still working in a field with a big dream in his heart, with a big promise, And he's just living his life. Meanwhile, his nation, the nation of Israel, is in this constant battle, this constant um, conflict with the Philistine army. And the current conflict is is in a standoff, and it's been 40 days that they've been in this standoff with the valley in between and the Philistine army and the Israelite army. And every day the Philistines come out, and as the tradition was, instead of slaughtering each other, everyone, they would send out their champion to challenge the other army. And each day, for 40 days straight, the the Philistine army sent out their champion, Goliath. And the Bible goes on to describe this man, and he was massive. He was like anything you could imagine that Hollywood would produce, right? This giant man, bigger than any, you know, so strong, his shield. He just describes it in detail, what Goliath looked like. And so Goliath comes out, and every time Goliath shouted out the challenge to the Israelite army, the Israelite army, here they are, men of war, warriors, trained soldiers, The Bible literally says they would all shout and flee. Can you imagine how embarrassing that would be? But this was a very tense situation. There was fear in the nation of Israel. Fear was being propagated each and every day. It was a situation, sometimes it's easy for us to read the Bible and and dismiss it like it didn't really happen or it wasn't really real people. So we find these two armies facing each other. One is clearly stronger than the other. And the people of God are scared out of their minds. So we find that David is obedient to his dad and he brings some food to his brothers. And he gets there and he hears the, the, the challenge from the Philistine army and he begins to ask some questions. And His questions must have been so out of the ordinary that it got back to the king. And so we pick up our our passage here in 1 Samuel 17, in verse 32 through 37, it says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Even the king did not have faith to believe that God would bring deliverance. Even the king could not see a way out of the situation. 
But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and I struck it and I rescued the sheep from his mouth. And then it turned to me and it seized and I seized it by its hair. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And, and David's faith was so convincing that finally Saul just gives up and says to him, go and the Lord be with you. So we know that David goes on and he goes on to slay Goliath, but when we talk about living a life of victory and we talk about the Goliath that each one of us has to face in our lives at some point, you know, everyone has their thing. Everybody has that thing that they have to overcome, that, that Goliath that they have to face. What is it about David in that moment as a young guy who's the youngest, like his brothers were even talking trash to him while he was asking questions? I don't know if I was in that situation, if I would have the ability to break out of the status quo and say no, put my foot down and say no. So how do we gain this victorious life that, that David walked in? Because I'm here to tell you today, David was nothing special. He was special because he trusted God, but he wasn't anything special in and of himself. And God is calling a generation, a community of faith, a group of people who are willing to not disqualify themselves, but rather trust in a good God who's willing to make up for our weakness, willing to fill in the gap, willing to call us. And, and so I see in the life of David one thing that I think is so true about him that nobody else was doing, and that is David managed his atmosphere, what set David apart, the first thing is that David managed his own atmosphere because he was living in a time of tension, a time of war, a time where fear was being propagated, where words were negative. Even the king, his own king, who he esteemed highly, was telling him, you can't do this. His brothers were like, why are you even here? What are you doing here? We know the pride that's in your heart, one of his older brothers said to him. Poor guy, he just came to bring him food, right? But David was managing his own atmosphere. Your atmosphere is your personal space, your personal head space, what you're, what you're willing to come in through your eye gate. Do you know your eyes are a gate, a window to your soul? What you're willing to listen to here, what you're willing to allow. You know, I think sometimes as believers, we know that we're called to faith, but we walk around and we just have like this open, you know, thermometer and we let anybody who wants to adjust our temperature. We allow the news to tell us how we're going to feel that day. We allow the things in our past to identify who we are. We allow the things that we feel like are our failures to tell us our value. And we can't do that. We have to manage our own atmosphere. We have to be contending for our faith because the fact is, the Bible says that we are in a fight of faith. That's really your only fight, is the fight of faith. Hanging on to the faith that you have and moving forward in what you know God has for your future. Trusting him, holding on to his word. 
Here's the thing how David, the main way David managed his own atmosphere. It was through worship. Worship changes our perspective. Can I challenge you this morning? If you don't have a life of worship outside of church, because isn't this amazing? When we come together and we sing these songs of praise, there's something about singing songs of praise to God. You might not be able to scientifically explain it, but we are created to worship God. It's part of our creative purpose. Did you know that? You're wondering what your purpose in life is. Your creative purpose is to be in fellowship with your creator. To be in fellowship with your father who loves you, who sees you, who accepts you, who wants to have that relationship with you. And it's in worship that we cultivate this atmosphere of faith. In worship, our spirit is refreshed. You know your body, soul, and spirit. We know a lot more about our bodies because it's the part that we can see. But you have a soul and you have a spirit. And when you come into the presence of God and you worship him, it ministers to your soul. It ministers peace to your soul. It brings strength into your spirit. It ministers healing to your body. Healing to your soul. Healing to your spirit. Your brokenness is made whole in his presence. I want to encourage you, get some worship music on your device. Download it, Hillsong Worship. And listen to it in your car. Listen to it in your house. Or is your marriage struggling? Put on worship music. It will change the atmosphere of your home. The peace of God will invade your house. Are you struggling with fear? Are you struggling with doubt? Have you had a negative medical diagnosis and you're struggling to hang on to the faith to believe that God has called you to rise above and be victorious even in the midst? We are more than conquerors. It's in worship. This is what I think. I think that Goliath didn't appear any smaller to David than he did to anyone else. It's just that God was so much bigger in David's eyes. I want to read to you in Psalm 34 from the Passion Translation. When we are in worship, our eyes are opened, our spiritual eyes are opened, and our perspective is adjusted. It's not that our problems go away, and it's hard. Like, I say this sometimes in church because I think it's important that pastors are honest. Isn't it important that we're honest with each other? <laughs> Come to church. All your problems will go away. No. Nope. <laughs> That's not how it works. But you know what? I would rather live this life with the grace and goodness of God in faith, with the peace of God, with walking next hand in hand with Jesus than without. Amen. I would rather face life with his help, with his grace, with his people, with community, with that support, than walk through it alone. And as we worship God, we magnify him. That word magnify means to make him big. He knows he's big. He's already big. He's God. Our problem is we go around magnifying our problems. We go around thinking about how big. So here's Israel, and for 40 days, they're standing there talking, thinking, meditating on how big Goliath is. They lost sight of their God, the God of the universe, the God who created everything that is, the God who... Who, who held back the oceans and, and spoke the, the land into existence. 
the God who was bringing their deliverance, the God who loved them, the God who was calling them to just simply trust him. Psalm 34 is a psalm of David, and it was composed after he escaped King Saul, and it says, Lord, I'm bursting with joy over what you've done for me. My lips are full of perpetual praise. I'm boasting of you and all your works, so let, so let all who are discouraged take heart. Join me, everyone. See, Saul, sometimes we think about King David like he just sat in a palace, you know, with people fanning him and eating grapes, like the pictures you see, you know, of the Bible when you're growing up and you see the little flanograph thing that I saw as a kid. That's not the deal. He's got a calling on his life. He has a promise that he's going to be king, but he's running for his life against a king and an army who want to kill him. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's discouraging you. I don't know what your Goliath, maybe your Goliath, you know, is something that, you know, I'm not giving an example of. It's something small. It's something hidden. It's something that nobody else knows. But I'm telling you today that there's victory for you in Jesus, in worship. Our perspective has changed he says, listen to my testimony. I cried to God in my distress, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Gaze upon him. Gaze upon him. Stop looking at the problem. Join your life with his, and joy will come. Even in the midst, joy will come. Amen? I'm having a hard time seeing this for some reason. Um. When I had nothing, desperate and defeated, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me, bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it most. The angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, and showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him. When we're in worship, we're hiding ourselves in him. Worship in awe and wonder, all, who, all of you who've been made holy. For all who fear him will feast with plenty. Even the strong and the wealthy grow weak and hungry, but those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. David had a secret. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't the most educated. He wasn't the most obvious choice. But he knew how to worship he knew how to manage his own atmosphere. He knew how to kick out those negative thoughts. He knew exactly who his God was because he hid himself in that place of worship where his perspective was challenged. There is a beautiful hymn that we all know, and it's, it, it, the chorus of it says this. I'm not going to sing to you, so don't, you know, get your hopes up. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full, right? In his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Stop focusing on Goliath. And the things of this earth will go strangely dim. Do you know what that line tells me? It's strange that they'll grow dim because they're actually not small problems. God isn't saying you're... God isn't trying to diminish our problems. He's simply saying to magnify him because he knows if you could put your trust in him, he can see the other side already. He's already won the victory. He's already bought your freedom. He's already secured your salvation. 
turn your eyes upon Jesus. This woman, Helen Lemel, who wrote this hymn, was a daughter of a Methodist preacher. She, w- she moved here to, the, to America when she was like 12, and she had the privilege of studying voice. And she was a very accomplished soloist, both in and outside of the church. By the end of her life, she ended up writing over 500 hymns and songs of worship. But what people don't know is that she went blind. And her husband, as a result of that, divorced her. And she sang a song of praise in the midst of all these things. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. We have to put our eyes, set our gaze on him. We have to maintain our atmosphere. We are contending for something. I'm only going to get to point two. David was faithful. The second thing I want to draw out and just encourage you, David was faithful. Here's the thing about faithfulness. Thank you, Lyman, for preaching my message during the (laughs) wrap-up. It's a bit of a trend. I'm going to have to start giving out my notes to all the pastors before church. (laughs) David Wager did it two weeks ago. (laughs) Faithfulness cultivates faith. Faithfulness cultivates faith. When David went before Saul, he said, don't worry about this Philistine. We can defeat him. He knew who his God was, but all the while he had been faithful. When the lion came, when the bear came, he trusted God to deliver him from those. So why wouldn't it be anything else? I want to, my son Gavin is 15 years old. He's turning 16 in just like a, in May. Crazy. Another driver. <laughs> Auto insurance for young boys in D.C. is no joke. That's just a side note. Um, some of you who know Gavin knows he's super passionate about the game of golf. Some of you who know him know that he can hit, he can drive the ball farther than a lot of professionals. His drive is about 320, 350. At 15, at 14, he's a big dude. He's an amazing athlete. What you might not know is that he's been practicing golf every single day since he was eight years old. What you might not know is that even in Washington, D.C., on the tour that he plays, he competes against kids like from Florida, you know? They don't have snow in the winter in Florida usually, you know? So he has to get out there in the 40 degrees blowing, driving wind, and be faithful to the dream that God's put in his heart. He has to go out there and do the work. Everybody wants the long drive, but nobody wants to put the work in. And he can't take a season off. What you don't know about Gavin is he's an incredible athlete, and it is thrilling to watch him throw a football. What you don't know is at his high school right here across the street, every single day, the coaches come and ask him, please come play football for us. And he says, no, golf is my dream. Golf is my dream. He could have a lot more accolades, I feel like, in a team sport, right? Playing for, you know, he's been offered quarterback position for JV, and now varsity wants him really bad. No, 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 no. I'm not going to take any time off. I am going after my dream. I'm going to be faithful because I, you know, his goal is he wants to get a scholarship for college. He's working really, really hard at it. 
and he's amazing. But so often we want to have that Goliath de- defeat experience, but not, not willing to stay in the field shepherding the sheep and killing the lion and the bear. You know, we all want the testimony, but when the test comes, we tap out. Faithfulness cultivates faith. You know what it is about Gavin right now? When he goes to teen world championships, I caddied for him a couple years ago. It was terrifying. He was fine. I was terrified. Is that he already won a bunch of tournaments when he was 8, 10, 12. He can see in his mind's eye his victory. He sees himself at the end of the day holding the cup, getting the, you know, getting the first place prize. Because faithfulness cultivates faith. As you walk and you are faithful, your faith grows. You actually are like, oh my gosh, God got us through that rough patch in our marriage. I know that we're going to be okay. Oh my goodness, I never imagined when I lost my job that God would be so faithful to provide. And slowly but surely, he builds your faith And your faith grows through faithfulness. Yes, faith comes from hearing the word, right? But faith also comes from doing something with what you're hearing. Let us not just be hearers, right? But let us do something. I'm convinced this man, this King David, who killed a man because he fell in love with this guy's wife, so he was an adulterer. He had some serious issues. If he was a pastor today or a preacher, we would disqualify him. He had serious personal issues. Can I encourage you this morning? Stop disqualifying yourself because of your serious issues. God is not in the business of finding perfect people. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth to see who would be found faithful, to see who is hungering and thirsting after him. If you need encouragement, open the book of Psalms. Read all of David's crying out to God complaints. God isn't afraid of your struggle. He's not afraid of your Goliath. He's not afraid. He's not intimidated by your lack of faith, by your fear, by those things. But what he offers us is himself and his victory, his righteousness. Amen? His peace, his grace. Walking with Jesus is not about what I can accomplish. It's about what I can surrender. And in that surrender comes that great win, that great victory. I just want to bow our heads this morning and close and pray over you. I hope that this has been an encouragement to your life this morning. God is good. Father, I just pray this morning that you would help us to fully surrender to your hand, to give you control of every area, those things that we are afraid to let go of. God, we know that your intention for us is to live with the W, to get the win. And the win can look different all across this room. But God, we know that you are faithful in the midst of all these things. We are more than conquerors because of you. In the midst of every circumstance, in the midst of every trial, every test, God, we know that we can win in life because you have already won the victory for us. You paid it all. So, Father, we just 
take this moment to acknowledge that, to ask you right now to just help us to surrender more, to help us to guard our own atmosphere. And Father, to help us to be faithful to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for one moment, if you're here this morning and you have never prayed that prayer to say, Jesus, come into my heart. I want to have a relationship with you, a real loving and living God. I want to invite you this morning to do that with me here. So if that is you, just simply stick your hand up in the air. We're not going to call on you. We're just going to see who is it here that might be saying that prayer for the first time. If there's anyone here, go ahead and just, we're going to give you privacy. Just want to know who I'm praying with. Pastor, pray with me. We're going to all pray this prayer together, so don't be intimidated. With every head bowed and every eye closed, repeat after me as we just pray this prayer. Some of you, it's going to be the very first time. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Wash me clean. Make me new. I want to give you control of my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to trust you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.